you as a travel writer are claiming that you, the best steak you've had is in Tacoma. Welcome to the Exploring Washington State podcast. Here's your host, Scott Cowan. All right. Well, welcome back to this episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast. Today, my guest is Peggy Cleveland. Uh, Peggy is an author. We're going to let her talk about the book title in a little bit. Um, But Peggy lives in the Stellicum area. And Peggy, why don't you tell our audience how you ended up in Stellicum? I mean, that's a long, broad story, but let's, you know, what, why Stellicum? Well, it's kind of a crazy story. So um, I've actually moved 33 times and uh, (laughs) I started out in California. I was a Navy brat, so moved around quite a bit with my father. And then I served for 12 years. So that added on to the moves. And then I met my husband in Korea and uh, we moved, continued to move. And, uh, you know, as we were getting closer to retirement uh, for his military retirement, you know, it was always like, where, where do you want to live? Where do you want to live? And we were just having a really hard time deciding. And then our last duty station was Joint Base Lewis-McChord, uh, which is near near Tacoma. And um, it's the top duty station in the Army, top requested station. And so we had tried our, his whole career to get stationed here. Okay. And so once we, we got here, we just fell in love with it. And uh, Stillicum is located not too far from the base. And so... Um, everything just kind of fell into place and we ended up buying our forever home here in Stillicum. Now I've lived in the shadow, well, of McCord field before when I, when I grew up, it was McCord in Fort Lewis. So I lived in the shadow of McCord field and I would like to know why, because I understand it's popular, but why, why is, why is joint base McCord Lewis the, the number one, uh, destination what 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 is it about it that is attractive um i think for me you know growing up i lived most of the time after we moved from california on the east coast and i've just always loved all the national parks and everything out west uh, so i think i know that's what drew us that okay. we really wanted to come out here all right and then uh, you know on my husband's side it's, it was good um job opportunities and things like that as well within the military okay now when I was doing a little research for this episode, I saw a very, I'll use the word odd photograph <laughs> of you standing in North Korea. Oh, <laughs> that's true. So when I was stationed in Korea, um, you would have the opportunity to go up to the border and take these tours. And so part of the tour um, takes you, there's a United Nations building that sits right on the border and uh, when you go inside the building, you have the opportunity to walk to the other side in the building and you're actually standing in North Korea. <laughs> and, uh, and of course, uh, you know, being blonde hair, blue eyes, when I was a lot younger then, um, you definitely drew, you know, the guards would come up and just stare at all the Americans that were in the building. That just seems like such a weird. It was very, very weird, yeah, <laughs> you know, especially seems... knowing I can't remember when it happened, if it was the 60s or 70s, but there was a border incident 
and um, some Americans were attacked by the North Koreans, and it was a pretty brutal uh, situation. So you kind of think about that when you're standing on that side of it. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I don't know. I, I guess, yeah, I guess if I was there, I'd probably do this. I'd probably go stand there too, just, just to say I've, I've been there. It's like I can say I've been to Georgia. Uh, simply because I drove across the state line, there was an exit turned around and went back. But I've been to Georgia. Um, that's, that's yeah. It counts if you actually been there. If you flew over it, it doesn't. Count yeah, it doesn't count if you flew. Or I also, I also say if I if I'm just at the airport, I don't typically count those states either. If I've just been to the airport, but Georgia, I literally drove across the state line. There was an exit not too far, just looped around back. It was like I was probably there five minutes, you know. So that's maybe my equivalent of your North Korea. Uh, that sounds more exciting than Georgia, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty exciting. It was just so um, bizarre because North Korea is, you know, could um, continue to suffer from famine. And so I just can't imagine what they would think because you would see the North Korean soldiers. And I'm sure you could see in the picture because they were just paper thin. Yes, they were. And on the border were the most trustworthy um, soldiers. So these were the elite ones and they were that thin. I can't even imagine what the rest of the army would look like. And so when you're standing on the border and you look into North Korea, it's just brown, like every tree, braided, bladed grass, everything, you know, it's just like wow. people have eaten everything. And then you turn around and you look at South Korea and it's just like super lush. And then the the South Korean soldiers are very buff and uh, healthy looking. And I just can't imagine what you would think, you know, if you were on that other side of the border looking into South Korea. When did you decide that you wanted to become a travel writer? Was it because you moved 30 plus times in your life or what was the inspiration? Well, when I first was in the army, I was in the reserves and I was a photojournalist for the army. And then, uh, you know, as time went on, I just, I've always loved travel. Um, especially as a child, you know, some of the adventures we had moving. It's just been something that's been a passion of mine my whole life. And so I kind of fell into the opportunity when we got out here. I was uh, volunteering for the, the Spouses Club, and um, our auction was celebrating the 100th anniversary of uh, Camp Lewis. Mm -hmm. And so there was a local newspaper uh, called The Ranger and The Airlifter. You might be familiar with familiar it. Familiar with us. And it's not owned by the military. It's actually a civilian family. Um, nobody served in the military, but they've had this newspaper for, I think, uh, definitely over 50 years. And so um, they were doing a magazine for the 100th anniversary. And so I reached out to them. I said, oh, our event has this theme. You know, do you think we could possibly get a free ad for our nonprofit about this event? And uh, they said, no. And I said, well, I write. Do you think uh, we could work a trade, you know, where I could contribute an article? Because I've already been researching some for our program. And so they said, well, you'll have to talk with our publisher. So I emailed them. And then he uh, emailed me back and he says, I want to meet with you. Um, to talk with you about writing for us. And I was thinking, well, I didn't, that wasn't the, you know, the plan, but I still wanted to get this ad for our event. So I agreed to meet him for coffee and everything. And the man hadn't, hadn't read a word I'd written before. And so we started talking and he was telling me how he hired uh, stringers, a lot of times military spouses, which was a great opportunity for us. And then um, my boys were still in high school, so I wasn't planning on going back to work yet. But he just reeled me in. He's like, well, you can write one article a week, one article a month, you know, whatever you feel like. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, so he, 
And then if he says, if you want to take a couple of weeks off, you know, just let us know. No problem. There's no pressure. And so it was sounding better and better. And then he says, well, what's your long-term goals? And I said, oh, I've always wanted to be a travel writer. And he says, well, by the way, we do travel in the newspaper and we're really trying to plus that up. And so they would run at that time, they would run one travel article a week. And, the, you know, the paper is kind of small, so it only had, you know, maybe 10 articles. So to, to get that article each week was really a nice opportunity for me. And then he mentioned how different destinations will host you, you know, if you want to come visit and everything. So he just reeled me right in. <laughs> so that's how I got my start. And then so I started, you know, day trips, weekend trips, things that would appeal to the military. And then they would do these um Throughout the year, they would do guides that were a little bit longer. And so in those, I could do, um, you know, like an eight-hour driving trip or things like that. So then it kind of expanded regionally. And then I um, freelance, so I uh, worked my way into a couple other opportunities. And now I write for this company called Travel Awaits. And it's uh, for the over 50 traveler. Mm -hmm. And then it's written by over 50 writers. And then uh, that opened up a lot of opportunities for me for international trips and everything. So that's, I feel that now with this book, I feel like I'm a real, real travel writer. Now. That's awesome. Well, let me let me put you on the spot. So when you started writing for the I'll just call it the Ranger, because I always forgot okay. the airlifter. It was always, you know, the, the Ranger. Yeah. Where were some of the interesting places that you went that were kind of a day trip, if you will, from from the from post? Oh, wow. Well, just um, so as part of that, when I was working with the Spouses Club, I ran a little group called the Pacific Northwest Explorers. And so with the ladies, I would plan trips that would start after school. They dropped everybody off for school and then we'd get back, you know, before school got okay. out. Um, so we did things like uh, one time we would go see the salmon run at Tumwater Falls, which I think is, uh, you know, you kind of take it for granted living here, but you read about that in biology and learn about the salmon run and the spawning and, you know, this just epic life and death adventure. But to see it, you know, in real life is is pretty impressive. Um, let's see. Day trips. Oh, wow. Just all over. I'll, I've even gone um, all the way out to the Olympic Peninsula to Nia Bay. Okay. It's almost, I think, a four hour drive. And I've done that in a day with a friend just to see it. So. Um, there's just so many great things. I mean, you can zip up to Mount Rainier in a day. And that's what I love about living in the Tacoma area um, because it's kind of branded uh, Mountain City Sea. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so you can go up to the mountain, you know, towards Mount Rainier in the morning and go hiking and then come back down in the afternoon and kayak um, right outside the city. As, as long then, as you uh, don't go on Meridian. If you drive on Meridian, <laughs> you're you're not going to be able to. I'm just going to put that out there that you can't, can't. And then in the evening, you can go see a you know, Broadway show or one of the local oh, theater it, shows. It really is when you when you when you think about it that you can go from you know the Pacific Ocean to the highest peak in the continental United States, and you could see oh, them both. It, it's It'd just be a long incredible. day, but you could do it. You know, <laughs> you could do it. Well, let's let's talk about. Let's let's transition into so the title of your new book is going to be called "100 Things to Do in Tacoma Before You Die." Um, that's kind of a morbid title, I got to tell you. You know, <laughs> <laughs> well, the the company, the publishing company, is Reedy Press, and they reached out to Travel Tacoma, which uh, markets the Tacoma area for tourism, and um, asked them 
to recommend a writer. They recommended huh. me, which I was really happy about. That's awesome. And um, yeah, it was pretty overwhelming. So they, they actually have that brand, a hundred things to do okay. before you die. Okay. And so it's kind of, um, <laughs> it's, it's actually got a real cult following um, because they do a lot of the, um, not some, they do have the big cities, but they also focus on a lot of the cities like Tacoma size. So I think it's a lot of guidebooks for cities that you don't normally see. Right. And so people just really like it. It's just a really set formatted layout and every book's the same, Okay. you know, except for the city. So, but the layout's the same. So how was the experience going from being a, a freelance writer of online articles or, you know, paper print to being now a book author? What, what about the experience was different? Well, I think this was actually, um, this was actually pretty easy. Uh, years and years ago, uh, I wrote a novel with my sister and this was our, uh, kind of gone with the wind, war and peace, you know, just crazy <laughs> long book. And I got that out of my system. So this one, <laughs> um, this one was relatively easy cause it's 160 pages. So basically, um, each entry is about 150 words and you're not doing the nuts and bolts of, oh, this is open, you know, Monday through Sunday. You just try and come up with some unique little hook mm -hmm. um, to describe that that place in that few words. So it's that that part of it was challenging. Um, but as far as writing, it went pretty smooth. I had visited most of the places already. Mm -hmm. um, so it was pretty easy for me to come up with my list. And then I reached out to uh local people as well to get some input impossible question i know what i'm about to ask is impossible but play along okay out of those hundred what's your favorite oh lord see i know i know it's impossible <laughs> but what for you for you like what okay i think for me um and this would kind of be like a combo but i feel like point defiance uh, part is the crown jewel of tacoma mm -hmm. and it's just absolutely just stunning it's an old growth forest i can't remember i, I want to say there's at least eight separate gardens in there rhododendron garden Nadalia garden there's even a pacific northwest garden japanese garden absolutely stunning and then within the park you have the zoo um you have a, a replica fort and a beach so you pretty much have everything there and then if you kind of combine that with point reston now and they're connected by a bridge you could head to Point Rest into restaurants and shops and, of course, ice cream and ice cream social, which made the book. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I think that's probably my my favorite. That's your that would be your I can confidently say that <laughs> if, you've, you, if, if, if someone were dropped at your doorstep and the goal was to take them to one place in Tacoma, you'd probably go there. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's always on the list. Yeah. And then kind of some quirky ones, too. Like I always take people to the um, Brown and Haley factory to go to the factory outlet, which uh, I don't know if a lot of people realize, but the, the outlet is actually the old ticket booth from the uh, World Seattle World's Fair. And um, there was a movie, I think it was called At the World's Fair or something like that with Elvis in it. So Elvis Presley is actually was in that that ticket booth, I guess they used it kind of like a green room or staging room for him to get away from the crowds while they were filming the movie. I did not know that that, that was a repurposed building. I had no idea. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty right. neat. That's neat. 
well, what else? Let's, let's, you know, we're not going to go through all hundred, obviously, but like, what else? What, give us for somebody who's listening, who hasn't been to Tacoma, give us kind of the, in your opinion, the flavor of Tacoma. What's we got point to five. Well, we've already done that. Yeah. Well, I think um, one of the things I really love about Tacoma, and I just kind of noticed it as I was exploring over the years is you'll just be driving and suddenly you feel like you're in like a separate little mini main street where you have like these separate um, neighborhood districts. And there is mm-hmm. actually, I want to say there's 14 or 15 of them. And so that's that's one entry in the book. So you have like the Lincoln District, right. the Stadium District, and each of them has a unique flavor. You'll mm-hmm. find uh, little restaurants and shops, and that's where the locals go because that's in their neighborhood. So I thought that that was something unique about Tacoma that I hadn't experienced anywhere else I'd lived. And so I, I love that aspect of these neighborhoods having their own little, like mini small towns almost within within Tacoma. And then let's see, it's just such a unique, um, unique city. And I love the diversity of it. So um, my husband and I met in Korea, so we learned to really love the Korean food. So I love to go to, uh, it's called the Lakewood International District, but, but it's kind of known as Koreatown. And there's just so many... Uh, Korean barbecue restaurants there, and then there's um, Paldo World, which has is a it's a big uh, grocery Asian grocery store, uh, but in it it has this little food court, and in the back is this place called Mandu World, and there's this young man, and all he makes is is Mandu, which is a Korean um, kind of like bun or dumpling. It's kind of you know kind of heavy and it's uh you know filled with either pork spicy pork or bean curd that's all he, that's all he sells <laughs> but they're so good and that's all he needs to sell so he's got a got a little cult following here in Tacoma okay. now it's funny that that I, I'm when I think of that district in Tacoma I'm primarily thinking in South Tacoma way but, yes and that's that's kind of where uh Koreatown is you know South Tacoma way area I just in that area growing so i grew up i grew up in tacoma and mm-hmm. i i left tacoma in 1980 to go to college so that's you know going you know way back and that shot to come away at that time was a lot of used car lots aimed towards oh, still is. <laughs> well but but aimed towards military buyers um cheap cars will finance yeah. basically to, in my opinion to take advantage of the enlisted guys who weren't being we the citizens right. of Tacoma weren't being kind <laughs> to the military how's that um but at that time in the early 80s it began to transition to having this more international footprint and now when i when i go through south tacoma way i'm i'm kind of like wow the the transformation's staggering to me how it's um I went to, a, I love coffee and that will be a question in a little bit, but I okay. went to, I can't think of the name of this place. It was in a is little strip in, mall. Is it in South Tacoma way? Yes. And does it look kind of like a farmhouse decor inside? No, is no, it? no, no. This okay. is in a strip mall next to like an auto insurance, you know, Pemco auto insurance. <laughs> I mean, it was just this bizarre <laughs> strip mall and somebody had recommended go there. It's great coffee. And so I went there with a friend of mine and I was just like, I don't know. From the outside, it just had this weird, weird vibe to me. We walk inside and I've just entered the door from going in from a strip mall inside. And it says pastel yellows and white trim, electric fireplace in the back, instrumental music playing. 
and their their specialty was um, sweet potato lattes. Oh, and, I've been there. I've been there, and I I know what you mean. The decor. It doesn't fit what you expect no. in Korean town. It's very um, no, and and yeah. so I was I was sitting there, and I don't I don't drink lattes. I just my thing at the time I was doing a hundred cups of coffee in a hundred days throughout Washington State. So okay. I had I had coffee. It was very good coffee, and I'm looking at these two early twenty something year olds working there. Right, and I'm sitting there with a friend of mine. We're we're talking, and the the music's playing in the background, and it's just like I said, just this piano music playing. And I was listening to it. And I, and they had found a instrumental Muzak version, and not even Muzak, but just just somebody playing the piano, like to like bands like Linkin Park and the uh, punk rock, heavy, not heavy metal, but just like '90s alternative rock and roll being played <laughs> by a little piano. And so all I'm thinking is these two twenty-something girls are going, "Well, we have to stand here and be in this really boring place, but we'll listen to what we like." <laughs> and I just, it was just kind of this interesting experience to be and it was it was it, and i wish i could remember the name of it but i honestly i can't but you've been there and it, you're I've been right. there and i can't i the same i can't remember the name of it but, but i did try the sweet potato latte it's um it was really interesting it's not quite my thing because i don't really like a sweet drink but i heard so many people talk about it like i had to try it and so i think if you like a sweeter coffee it was very interesting and i okay. it, like i said it wasn't my thing but i could see why people really like it well i ordered you know i just ordered um black coffee which is what i was was doing at the time and but the presentation was phenomenal i mean they brought it out on a tray it was a french press and it was like mm. i'm looking around going this is not from outside to inside this is not what i expected it was i i need to go back but i'm gonna put you on the spot we're gonna shift gears to something i would ask you typically okay. a little later but we're talking food you're going to take somebody to lunch in Tacoma, put you on the spot. Lunch. Give me a couple of suggestions for interesting food in Tacoma um, for lunches. I think, uh, so talking for someone probably that's visiting Tacoma and you might be doing the museum district, I would go to Incalmo, which is in the um, Museum of Glass. And it's um, it's actually fabulous. It, um I'm trying to remember what the restaurant was on Tacoma that closed. Was it the Pacific Pacific Grill? Grill, Grill yes. Mm -hmm. So they used to run that. And then when they closed, it was closed for a while. And so now the table on 6th Avenue, it's an offshoot of that. And so the okay. table's pretty renowned and uh, Tacoma's being a great place to eat. Um, so the food there's awesome. So it's kind of a coffee shop, um, bakery, and then they... Um, they have some great salads and, and uh, other That's foods as well. So I really enjoy it. And the view's beautiful, you know, and you're right there at the Glass Museum. So, well, let's, let's go back. Because I'm not familiar really with Korean food. So let's say it's me and I said, hey, I want to try Korean food. Like, where, where would I go and what should I have in Tacoma? Okay. So, um, well, Paldo World's fun because you can go in the food court and there's, um, there's a Japanese, a Chinese, and then a Korean, um, I guess, kind of kiosk there. Okay. Um, so I think the traditional, like, um, Korean bulgogi, my, my husband just loves. I love that, too. It's kind of a sweet barbecue-flavored uh, meat that's cooked up and served with mm -hmm. rice. Um, and then Korean food, too. They do a lot of the soups, um, you know, with noodles or um, I'm trying to think what's you know, with the eggs popped in them and stuff. But we love uh, going out for Korean barbecue, but that would be more uh, 
a dinner thing. All right, uh, well, so, well, you can talk me into dinner. I mean, so Korean barbecue. <laughs> well, so South South Tacoma Way, there's you really can't go wrong with it. There's just you drive along and you'll just see Korean barbecue, and you go in and um, it's kind of like you know how the hibachi grills are the Japanese, but this one you actually have a round uh, thing in the table that's turned on and run off gas, and then you oops, excuse me, you uh they serve the meat to you raw and then you just cook it right in front of you. And then it's served with the, I guess it's called ban- banchan, I think is the word, but it's all these like little side dishes like kimchi and um, just a variety of different things. And it works out really well because my husband likes half of them and I like the other half. So we usually <laughs> split it pretty well, but it's usually all you can eat too. So that was always oh. really popular with the soldiers too. So. Okay. Yeah. I've just, you know, it's, it's something I haven't, I haven't tried. I mean, and it's yeah it's it's really good fun. i really enjoy it it's um and plus it brings back a lot of memories you know because we were stationed there so right we've we've always uh enjoyed the culture too all right and then of course if you're down on south to come away you have to go in chin chin to go shopping <laughs> and that's a korean uh uh korean uh kind of shopping center and you go in and it's so funny when you read the reviews because a lot of people say oh they're so racist they follow you around you know the whole time you're in the store but that's the korean culture so you go in and somebody will immediately greet you you know after you've been there a couple minutes and help you out and i always end up buying stuff i never planned on buying because i'll show you something really (laughs) cool but it's got everything in there from all the different um dishes you know that you would serve korean food with to um Blank, I've seen aprons. There's all kinds of um, housekeeping uh, things that are just kind of really interesting. And then uh, uh, Korean um, face care, you know, or skin care is really popular now. So you can find it and you can get those Korean uh, face masks that look like paper, you know, masks that people put on their faces. And they're usually, you know, pretty pricey at other places, but you can find them for like a dollar there. So there's great prices. So that's a place I like to take. Um, if somebody's visiting, especially if they have kids, that's just a really okay. fun place to go. All right. All right. With the book, the tar- who's the target audience for the book? Is it for people that are coming to the area or is it more for like people in the area that, you know, by, like these were a little bit more. I think often- it's. Yeah, yeah it's, I think it's both. It's for visitors, but also for people that live here. Um, I think a lot of times people get live somewhere and they just kind of forget what's in their city. And I think especially during COVID, people are starting to like re-explore where they, where they live. Uh, but I think I was the perfect person to write it because um, as a military family, like a lot of people don't realize how much military families travel when they get to a destination and how much tourism dollars they bring in because usually their families come to visit them so Mm -hmm. you know it's pretty typical you'll move somewhere and then all your relatives will come visit you Um, and they look they look forward to that too Uh, but so as a military family you you move into the area so you start to know it like a local but you still have the fresh eyes of a tourist so you kind of quickly find out what are the things you have to see and you want to do it as fast as possible because you're only going to be somewhere for, you know, two or three years. So you need to see as much as you can because you may never be here again. So. All right. Well, that's, you know, I, now that's funny. Not not growing up in a military family, not yeah. that that's an interesting viewpoint that you just brought up because you're right. Somebody gets a, you know, duty station for two years. 
And I don't want to say it's a long vacation. I don't mean it like that, but it, it's, it's, it, they know they're going to be there from, let's say October of 22 to October of 24, blah, blah. It's like, well, when we're working, we're going to work, but oh, when we're yeah. off, let's go explore. Well, we would typically take a day trip usually on the weekends and then maybe one week in a month or every other month we take a weekend getaway. And then anytime there were longer vacations, you know, you'd get out and, you know, do a longer driving trip and everything. So, um, yeah, I really liked it. But uh, one thing I love about Tacoma, so typically for me, I've moved so much. And after a while at a destination, I'll be like, oh, I've got the go bug. I'm ready to move, <laughs> you know, go somewhere else. But I've been here, I think, almost eight years now. And I feel like I'm still just scratching the surface of everything to see and do in Washington in this area. Okay. So. Have you done much? Have you gone to eastern Washington much at all? Um, a little bit. Um, I've been to the Tri-Cities, Walla Walla. In fact, I'm going to um, Yakima um, this uh, Thursday to um, work on a travel story for, for that area. The Palm Springs of Washington. That's the, that's the byline. <laughs> well, I think it's kind of underrated, though. Like, I don't think people realize, like, some of the wine coming out of there is just incredible. You know, it ranks up there some of the the best in the state, I think. And then uh, most of the hops in the, the country are grown there in, uh, in the Yakima so, Valley. Have, have you ever been to Tiatin? No, I, I don't think I've even heard of it. Oh, so Tiatin, okay. Well, let's. So when you go to Yakima on Thursday, how are you going to go there? Are you going to go across Snoqualmie? Yeah, but you're yeah, going to go across Snoqualmie Pass and um, down to Ellensburg and then come up yeah, 84 probably. Okay. There. All right. So as you're, how do I want to describe? Tiatin is west of Yakima okay. on the way on the way to White Pass, which is the other mountain oh, pass okay. that you can go over. Okay. Right. And it's up on a plateau. And it is. An agricultural community. Okay. But 15 years ago or so, they started some some people. Well, there's a long story, and we've, we've talked to numerous people on the podcast before, so I'll just give the super high level of it. But um, they started going there. Well, it happened because how this all happened, the, the real quick story is, is the guy was riding his bicycle. He was an avid bike rider, and he had multiple flat tires, and he had to stop. And he was patching the tires while he was sitting in the town square of Tyatin. And he was looking around going, wow, these, all these buildings are empty. Well, they ended up starting to buy up all the buildings and oh, convert okay. them into uh, artist studios. And he, he has a book, he's a book publisher. And so he publishes books out of Tyatin and they have a mercantile there and art galleries and all this stuff. And they've turned it into this really interesting art, artsy community, but it's very... I don't want to say this. It's not artsy and highbrow. It's very, very, still very local, still very agricultural centered. It's an amazing little town. It's so much fun. I'm always looking for something new to write about. And, and they, and they do, um, they didn't do it this year, unfortunately, but they have what's called the Tieton Grand Prix, which is where people build these, replica early 1900 you know 20th century 1910 2030s race cars using six six horsepower engines and then they race around town in them yeah and it's just this really cool community that you know that i find to be just a lot of fun to go and visit and it's you know 15 miles west of yakima so 
Anyway, not to detract from Yakima. <laughs> but Yakima, so like you were mentioning, the wines, I, I, you know, I realized this, but I didn't realize it. I mean, some huge percentage of the hops grown in, the, in, in North America are grown in Yakima County. Right. It's just, it's just staggering. And it really is becoming a very interesting place to um, go and explore. So you'll, That's you'll true. have fun. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So. But I get a kick out of that sign that says the Palm Springs of Washington. I just always just, you know, I was like shaking my head and laughing at that. And I had a guest on and they actually explained to me why they, they felt it was the Palm. And I was like, okay, that's actually a really good explanation. You win. I'll drop, I'll drop, I'll stop making fun of Yakima. Um, Well, I think, um, what was I going to say? Oh, getting back to the book, um, you know, being selected to write this book, but it was also kind of stressful because, you know, one thing I love about, uh, Tacoma, I love all the diversity, but people are very passionate about the city. And so, you know, I'm just like, I'm the one to pick these hundred things. <laughs> so I know there's going to be people upset. I left, so, left something out, but it's really hard to, um, you know, narrow it down because it's such a great area. And so there's um, five categories. There's uh, okay. food and drink, uh, sports and recreation, uh, culture and history, um, Shopping and fashion. I'm missing one. Let's see. I'm trying to remember what the other one was. <laughs> so let's see. Food and drink, sports, recreation, culture and history. Oh, music and entertainment. Okay. So and that was the one I was kind of um, hesitant with because I wasn't really familiar with the music scene in the town. So I actually reached out to uh, some locals with uh, pretty gritty tours and then mm-hmm. also um, Grit City Magazine because right. uh, they, they kind of have a handle on everything going on in town. And so they recommended a couple DJs that I reached out to. And so they gave me some insight into a couple places. So that's Tacoma's got a great music scene. Yeah, it, it so does. A, did you yeah, just out of curiosity, did you put the Spanish ballroom in the book? I did. I okay. did. Yeah. So that was um, I think that's probably I think that's just such a great great venue i haven't had a chance to see anything there yet but the the whole you know elks club and the fact that it was converted into McMenamins, it's just such a great venue and a perfect location uh well, downtown it had just sat um, vacant for decades and it was just oh, yeah. de- decaying and it was amazing when McMenamins came in and oh, decided definitely. you know they tabbed that building yeah so, so- if i was rec- recommending like for someone to come visit Tacoma I would stay out at Point Rest and now at the new uh, Silver Cloud that's right there it's just this stunning luxury hotel and I think that was the one thing that area lacked to make it the perfect vacation destination (laughs) so you can go and stay at that hotel it's got a fabulous restaurant in the uh it's got a rooftop pool Mm, which I think is pretty cool with you know all the you get that just stunning views of Commencement Bay, and you can see Mount Rainier, and yeah. and you're connected by you can either walk or bike right into Point uh, Defiance, and then enjoy everything along the Point Reston yeah. and Reston Way. Yeah, see, that's you know that's a huge that whole area is a huge transformation that's been. I mean, that used oh, to be just neglected area, and uh, oh, definitely. Well, um, was it Frank Herbert wrote Dune? based on that was a super fun site so in the 70s it was one of the most polluted areas in the country and that's what i just love going out there too i just feel like it's such hope for the environment when you can see this area that was just so polluted and uh 
you know, just such a blight, you know, in the area that it's been totally um, revitalized into this just great community. Um, and it's a, amazingly point defiance, that park, you know, 100 years ago, the townspeople right. recognized what a, a beautiful place that was and preserved it. But, um, you know, even with all the pollution, it still survived that. So I think it's right. just a real neat hope for the environment story. And then uh, they've kind of... Um, now with the new parks like Dune Peninsula Park and the Frank Herbert Trail, that's all kind of connecting, you know, right there between Point Reston and Point Defiance. It really shows a little insight on it, too. So, Here's one. I've got a question for you to see if you put this in the book. Did you put Bob's Java Jive? Yes, I did. <laughs> what a crazy place. And the, the the history of it is just hysterical. Like my favorite, um, my favorite, I guess, like rumor, you know, like people will say that, oh, Nirvana played there. But the, the rumor was the owner was like, no, Nirvana didn't play there because he didn't like them <laughs> you know, or something when they were just starting out. He he didn't he didn't book them, I guess. So, uh, so that, there's that two stories. They either did play there or they didn't play there. That place has been just quirky forever. Yeah. Ever. I think it was having some hard times during COVID, but there was like a GoFundMe site and everything. Yeah. And I think they saved it for yeah, a little bit longer. Just, so. But it's just, just been one of those. It always seemed like it was hanging on by a thread and you never quite knew how it was. You know, oh, how yeah. did they stay open? And then it would all of a sudden you'd hear people talk, Hey, we went to the Java Jive again. And, you know, and it goes up anyway. It's a quirky <laughs> space. And it's, it, well, to me, that's list- Tacoma. Yeah, for your listeners that don't know what it is, it looks like a giant, I guess, coffee pot or teapot. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's been there forever, yeah. but it's a bar. It has nothing to do with coffee. So. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. Yeah. It's, it's just a, it was just a, a dive let's just call it a dive bar it's just what it is it's it's a yeah. dive bar and it's it is. but we it's been that way for ever i you know i as a little kid i remember it being just question not, not questionable but you know huh and then as, oh, as yeah. i grew up and, and when i could come back to the coma after being in, co- in college and all i'd go you know I'd go there and be like oh, how this place makes it this is just anyway um that uh, to me is I don't want to say that's Tacoma to me, but to me that is, it, it is one of those iconic places in Tacoma that just is cool. Yeah, I think, I think so. I think so. Um, yeah. So I include mostly Tacoma, but then I, I have a little venturing out a little bit further afield. You know, of course I'm in uh, Stilicum, so mm-hmm. I've got the um, Stilicum museums in there and um, we have Feral Marsh in Stilicum, which is this, really neat um your wetlands that's kind of been preserved it's one of the uh, city parks so it's kind of a really neat place like it's just down the street from my house so i can walk up the hill and go out into this marsh and hike these trails and a lot of volunteers in the city keep it up so it's really beautiful place to to be and then um also dupont which dupont was actually a dupont company town and so you have the the newer section, but if you take exit 119 off of I-5, you can now exit, you can now access the Lewis Army Museum. And this is this big, huge white building. Like people going up and down I-5 are probably always like, what's that building? <laughs> but yep. it's uh, it's one of the few um, surviving buildings um, on Joint Base Lewis-McCord from World War One era. And um, 
it was kind of like a recreation place, I think, for the soldiers. And then it served as a an inn for a while. And then eventually it became the museum. And so in the probably the past five years, it's been uh, re- renovated, I guess, or it's got more mm-hmm. state-of-the-art um, exhibits now. And they've made a, a way where you can access the museum without having to go through the gate of JBLM. So from exit 119, you can exit park and then uh, you you call and then somebody comes and takes you through the the gate and just walks you across the street to the museum oh okay so, so you don't have to of, go through right is, and that's okay. really it's really incredible and it's you know the history of jblm is um really a, a significant part of tacoma because actually tacoma invited the base to be there and i think i think people actually can't remember if they paid for the land or there was a big story though about how, you know, the local community really wanted that base there. So that's kind of really, I think, unusual within, uh, at least for army bases, you know, as far as I know. So, and then when you um, think, when you think about it, I mean, you, you alluded to some, well, you didn't allude to flat out said it earlier, you know, when a military family goes to, let's say JBLM, they're, their family probably wants to come out and check out the Northwest if they're from, mm-hmm. say, Wisconsin. Um, and so it's good business to have these facilities in oh, your it, area if you if you can. Well, it is, and it brings so much to the local community because I think there's 60 or, 60 or 70,000 people live and work at JBLM, and I think it's the sixth or seventh largest city almost in Washington, you know, population-wise. And then it... Com- contributes to the local community because the kids that there's they go to school uh, you know the local schools you know the youth mm-hmm. government provides them funds for those kids and so it brings a lot into the area as well as everybody right. you know eating at the restaurants shopping at the shops tourism so. have you have you ever heard of the mazama pocket gopher it's the i know i have not <laughs> okay so the mazama pocket gopher is a endangered species. Have you ever watched the movie Caddyshack? Yes. <laughs> okay. So you, you remember the scenes where he's like going to, you know, takes the C4 and he's going to blow up the gopher that's yes. tearing up the golf course. So this pocket gopher is in, in an endangered species. And I, and I know this because when you are buying and selling property in Thurston County, there's parts of Thurston County where you have to do a gopher study before you can break ground because if it's gopher habitat, you have to do some things to protect this endangered gopher. But one of the key locations of this endangered gopher is the is Joint Base Lewis McCord, where out kind of in the bombing ranges where they're out, you know, <laughs> throwing artillery shells. And it just makes me wonder, well, no wonder it's endangered if it's wants to be where they're blowing shells up. I just <laughs> Sorry, that's just always kind of cracked me up. But yeah, so that base has this big endangered gopher population on its acreage. Yeah, it's it's always some animal, you know, wherever, whatever base it is. Yeah. A, a gopher. I mean, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, it, it was the red cockaded woodpecker. And <laughs> yeah, just, it's, ones, I, yeah, I've always just, I just got to chuckle. Well, how long did the book take you to write, approximately? Um. Well, it actually, it probably took me a good um i think six months so really not not too terribly long i think um i'm planning on depending on how this one does i think um hopefully i'll have a long-term relationship with reedy press because i have some ideas for some other books as well but um 
Yeah, it really wasn't too hard um, because as far as word count goes, it's not. It was the equivalent of maybe 10, um, 10 travel stories I, I write. I think it's about 15,000 words. So it's not a huge um, lengthy book as far as reading. But I think that'll make it more enjoyable for a lot of people because you can pick the book up and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, flip through it. Like I'm bored today or my kids are bored, you know, flip through it and just point to something. Okay. We're going to go do that today. So there's a lot of, I think uses for it. And then, um, you know, it's more, I think interesting descriptions and maybe unique things about places versus kind of, um, it's definitely not a feeders. There's some of those guidebooks where it's, you know, very specific, you know, it's here, it's open from these mm-hmm. hours, this is how much it costs. You know, right. it just has the, the information on how to learn more about it. But, you know, kind of my take on the, the place. So. Oh, okay. Now, when, to, when is, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I have to say, um, the best steak I've had in my entire life is in Tacoma. And as a travel writer, I get to eat a lot of very good restaurants. And uh, it's Cuerno Bravo. And I mention it a lot, all the time. And people are like, I've never heard of that. Where is it? And it's uh, it's actually not too far from the, the McMenamins and the Elk Lodge. It's kind of up on the hill. But um, the owner is just super into just really good quality beef. So they carry everything from American Prime all the way up to Japanese Wagyu. And they serve it on uh, sizzling stones. So like you'll order your steak. Like I like my medium rare, so you order it rare, and then you slice it and just kind of continue cooking it on the stones. It's just the perfect temperature. <laughs> it's just I, I can't, run that name by me again. It's Cuerno Bravo. So I've never heard of this place. I know, and the and, thing is, is the guy opened just before COVID, and then they had to shut down, and then I think they've been reopened maybe a year. Um, but I think just word of mouth keeps them busy. I don't even think they need to advertise. So you just have to have somebody tell you about it. <laughs> you saw the look on my face and this I is an audio program. So, <laughs> so nobody else got to see this, but I had this doubting Thomas look on my face. Um, you as a travel writer are claiming that you, the best steak you've had is in Tacoma. That's and so I've eaten that's steak. Wild. I've eaten steak all over the world. So I'm telling that's you, it's wild. the best steak I've had in my entire life. It's that good. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And so what's kind of neat about it is you can go in and you can order. Um, you can order. You can go cheap and order like they have a, um, a carne asada, which is made with wagyu uh, steak. Um, meal like some people go and just split that and order some other stuff so you can go inexpensive or you cannot go all the way up to you know Japanese Wagyu which is kind of really high end so I ordered uh, when I went I had an American Prime and Mm -hmm. um, my husband ordered I think the Australian Wagyu so I I took my first bite of my steak and I was just like I told my husband this is the best steak I've ever had in my entire life which I thought until I tasted his, <laughs> and then once I tasted <laughs> the wagyu, I was like, "Oh my gosh, you could definitely, definitely tell the difference." You, so. could, you really could tell the difference, huh? Right, because you know between two superior cuts of beef, very good. So mm-hmm. prime is, uh, I think, the highest you usually get in a grocery store's choice. So prime is kind of restaurant grade meat, and uh, 
very good. Wow. And then they do this, um, they're infamous for this baked potato. And it's, um, I don't even know how to describe it. It's almost like the size of like a small football. <laughs> you know, it's just this, I've never seen a potato this big. And they just stuff it full of Wagyu beef, cheese, you know, just everything you could put on a, a baked potato. So it's, uh, it could easily f- feed four people. So some people come and just order the baked potato for a meal. It's, it's very good. All right, two questions. I, I can see. I know the listeners can't see the expression on your face, but I'm cracking yeah. up because I know he's in disbelief. But I'm telling you, I, I'm not in disbelief. It's not, I believe it's it's more like, how do I get there? So, yes. two two questions. Well, question number one is: What cut of steak did you have, and what cut of steak did your husband have? Were they the same cut? I had the American Prime, and I can't remember. I don't think it was a rib. I'm trying to remember what it was. And then he had Australian Wagyu. Okay, and approximately, what was what was the what was the Wagyu steak? Oh, price wise, yeah, approximately. Um, I want to say there were different ones that started at like sixty nine. And then went up to, I want to say the Japanese was, because there was American Wagyu Australian. And I think the Japanese, I want to say, was eighty nine ninety five, But it was, um, the prices, I thought, you know, for some of the, the steak places, I thought was surprisingly reasonable. Right. That's, know, that's a lot of money, don't get me wrong. But it. that's not, yeah. not a staggering amount of money versus going to, say, somebody like Morton's or someplace like that. Uh, right. We're going to go to a, a super um, fun steakhouse. Yeah. And so that's fascinating to me. I would, yeah, you could have bet I, me a steak dinner and I would not have taken the bet that the best steak was in Tacoma. I know. So it's, it's very good. And um, it, I like the atmosphere and I love the way they serve it. It's kind of unique. And, um, you know, they've got a the chimichurri sauce and i think i'm trying to remember the other different sauces i usually get them to bring me all of them because i'd love to try all the different sauces but the, even yeah. me just without the sauces it's just wow. melt in your mouth it's so good well let me ask you my always my go-to question we've kind of touched on it earlier but you you've talked steak which is certainly up there for me but coffee okay so coffee so i kind of i wish um I made the mistake when I, I did the book. I wrote the coffee shop that I like, and I think I put one other, and I meant to come back and list some more, and I didn't. So that's a big fail on my part. Um, but I love the coffee cabin in Stillicum, but it's my neighborhood coffee shop, which is that that has a lot to do with it. So I think, coffee. you know, when you're coming to Tacoma or you're moving here visiting, you kind of got to figure out what's your local coffee shop, you know, where you, where you want to go. Um, so in Stillicum, you have the coffee cabin and it's, um, it's always popular and, uh, they make, uh, they bake scones a couple times a week in there. So you've got that great bakery smell and the coffee's good. Is, is that adjacent to the, is it the top cider? It's right below top side. It's the same, okay. the same family. So it's small family owned business. Mm-hmm. Um, and the decor inside is just lovely. They've got um, paint mural of the mosquito fleet, you know, that used to roam mm-hmm. up and down the Puget Sound, and it's um, got kind of a nautical feel to it. Just right. beautiful blues and grays, and it's just so bright and cheery on a, you know, a Pacific Northwest I, day with the rain and everything. So I, I went there probably it. three years ago when I was doing this hundred cups of coffee in a hundred days, uh-huh. and I went there around right around 4th of July 
And so oh, they had okay. red, white, and blue bunting everywhere. Yeah, it was a great, you walk in, I was like, this is really a cool space. It really, really is. It really, really is. It's cool really space, comfortable. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. it's, you always meet locals. It's, it's I, I just love it. It's very community feel. And I think that's kind of what they, their uh, goal was when they opened it, was to give a community space where people could meet and hang out. Now let's take that one off the table because that's in your backyard, if you will. Let's go to Tacoma. I'm going to put you into Tacoma. Where's a good place for coffee in Tacoma? Oh, I would say where's not a good place. <laughs> I, mean, I would say, I would say if you're coming to Tacoma, uh, don't go to Starbucks. Go to you know, go try a local place. So you've Absolutely. got everything from the drive-through coffee places. Um, I'm trying to think of the different names. There's just every neighborhood has a coffee shop, and they're all really good. I mean, I. I don't think I've had a bad cup of coffee. Did you ever try Valhalla on Sixth Avenue? Valhalla. Did you ever try that one on Sixth? Um, I don't think. I'm trying to think. What's the other one? Is it Metro? There's the uh, the Metrodome. Yeah, I've tried that one. I don't think I've tried Valhalla, but I've seen it. Yeah, Valhalla, and then there's Graybeard. Um, right there by Jason Lee Middle School. Okay. Yeah. There's you've just driven, so you've, many. Trust me, you've driven past it. It used to be an yeah. old antique store. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Tacoma's got, Washington State has great coffee. I mean, that's oh, one yeah. of the, and like, the well, coolest we things talked, about this. We talked a lot about the sweet potato latte that, you know, right in the middle of Koreatown, you've got a great coffee shop. So I just <laughs> In a love strip that. mall that doesn't look like it. Right. I mean, just the, yeah, it was just the. Just the mixture of everything is so cool. And then, mm-hmm. of course, don't get me started on donuts. <laughs> oh, well, not, go ahead. Yeah, not enough room for all the great donut places. But, of course, I had to put legendary donuts. That's just incredible donuts. Love I don't them. think I've ever had those. Oh, you Okay, so that's, um, I, I think that's yeah. on 6th Avenue, too, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And it's um, just the donuts are incredible. They're just so creative. They're legendary? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> In fact, one year they do this big, uh, oh, what is, it's some ginormous donut. I can't remember what it's called. Uh, I think maybe the Bigfoot or, you know, something along that <laughs> line. So we got it for my son's birthday and it was such a big donut. Like even after they ate it for birthday cake, we were slicing big hunks of it off to, <laughs> to pass around to people in the neighborhood. <laughs> Please get this out of here. Please take yeah, it. Definitely. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, so with the book, when is the book, when is the book being launched? Uh, it's from what I've been told, it's supposed to be in the warehouse by September 1st of this okay. year. So and look forward to it. where can people find the book? I mean, is it going to be everywhere or? Um... I think so. So I know, um, well, one of my friends owns a store, Pine and Moss in DuPont, and she's definitely carrying it. Um, okay. You'll be able to find it at Barnes & Noble. I hope the independent um, bookstores will carry it. Um, yeah, so I think hopefully there'll be a variety of places that are going to have it. Um, I think some of the museum gift shops are thinking about carrying it, too. So they're in the process of doing all that right now. So Okay. Are you going to do any um, book tour for it? I mean, are, are I gonna- am. I am. Um, in fact, um, I'm not sure the date yet, but um, Oceans 5 in um, Gig Harbor is going to do an event with me. So I'm looking forward okay. to that. We're going to do a big book signing and then um, they haven't finalized it yet, but they're looking at some fun things to do. And then um, the Silver Cloud in um, Point Reston, uh, we're going to do something there, possibly do like a, 
uh, Tacoma themed cocktail because their their restaurant there is kind of known for their their cocktails, their bar there. Um, okay. And then I'll do a book signing probably near the gift shop and everything. And then um, on the 15th of October, I'm doing a uh, Tacoma trivia at the Lewis Army Museum. So that should oh, be wow. kind of fun. Yeah. So okay. we're still working on all the um, different dates. But uh, but starting in October, probably through December, you'll find me around town at different times doing book signings and events. Well, that'll be fun. That'll be fun for you. Well, definitely. Well, and I, oh, I, I did want to point out about the book, too. You know, a lot of people think, you know, when you're a writer and author, you're going to make, you know, a fortune on things like this. But for this, you know, maybe six months from now, I'll see, you know, a small royalty check. But this is really my love letter to Tacoma. I, um, as I said, I've moved 33 times and I just fell in love with this area. So it's just been such a joy to write about all these just wonderful small businesses in the area and the unique people that make this such a great place to live. So, so I'm disappointed. I would have thought, you know, you would have gotten like a Harry Potter type advance. Or... <laughs> well, I feel like I deserve it, but, <laughs> no, but it's a, it really press is, is a kind of a small, you know, um, niche uh, publishing company and they just do they just publish mostly um, guidebooks you know and things like that and then they also like if a school wants to write like a history of, of a building or things like that they'll do a you know they they okay. have opportunities for so people to publish that quite way. niche publishing then okay well well let me put you on the spot you, you kind of said you know you had other ideas for books are they going to be along? I won't ask you to disclose like where, but are they going to be along kind of the same sort of thing, kind of like a, a, a bucket list type of book? Or I think so. I I, I definitely have a couple, a hundred, you know, a hundred things to do before you die. Ideas for um, some two different areas within within the region, and mm -hmm. then um, I also want I. I don't know if it'll be with Reedy Press because I have to see if they have a model that'll work for it. But I really want to write about Washington wine and I really want to, um, you know, just kind of feature these different because so many the people, they're just small, you know, family owned businesses. And I just love that aspect of like you can go wine tasting in Washington. Chances are the winemakers pouring your wine and it's so um it's just so friendly and open and it's not stuffy like, you know, some of the places you might find like in Napa and everything. And I love the fact that it's people have that connection to their land, too, um, with growing the grapes. So I think, um, yeah, I would love to write about Washington wine. I, I have a friend of mine who lives not they don't live in Washington state and they are huge wine fans. Go so far as he has his own he's bottled his own wines before oh, it, wow, that's um, interesting. It, yeah. and down in, uh, down in Napa and he's not from California, but he, he went to Napa to do this. And, you know, so Napa with, I don't know anything about wines per se, but you know, there's all these famous wineries in, in Napa, right? And Napa mm -hmm. was the, the epicenter of the U S wine. Okay. And then you go to Walla Walla and have you, You've been to Walla Walla, right? I've been to Walla yeah, Walla, yeah. but I think um, if you really want to taste Washington wines is, well, it depends. If you want volume, you know, quantity, go to Woodinville because there's over 140 wineries have tasting rooms there. So you right. can in a weekend taste probably like everything all around the state. But to get, you know, to be actually where it 
the wines made and everything, then you want to go to like Walla Walla or also um, the Tri Cities area is really, mm-hmm. I enjoy Red, that Red as Mountain. well because I, I think it gives you a little more variety too. So, right. But so, like, but Walla Walla, downtown Walla Walla cracks me up because it's, it, to me, downtown Walla Walla is like downtown Seattle. But in other words, when you go to downtown Seattle, you can't, like, if you go to Starbucks in downtown Seattle, I think they strategically figured out exactly how many steps it is before your drink will be finished. And then there'll be another Starbucks, like (laughs) one step beyond Walla Walla is that way with wineries that you just, you can't not turn and not see a bunch of wineries, but there was a t-shirt and I wanted, I saw it and I wanted to buy it and I didn't cause I wanted to give it to my friend cause he's such a, I don't want to call him a wine snob, but (laughs) he's a wine snob. And it said Walla Walla is for wine. Napa is for auto parts. (laughs) That is funny. I, I just, I just love that shirt, and, and Walla Walla is a, a fun place to go. I think I think the whole idea of doing a, a, a book on Washington wines would be amazing, and it would be um, a lot of work because there's so many wineries. Well, here I was in, almost in, thinking in, within this hundred things to do before you die, you know, like maybe Washington wine country you could almost fit into into that because I was thinking the different categories because there's. Like there's wineries that have great places to eat, you know, and restaurants. So mm-hmm. you could include those under that. And then I've been to wineries like with sports and recreation. I've been to one where um, they play. It's not um, bocce ball, but there's another um, there's another game and it's French. I cannot remember the name of it, but it was just like this quirky thing. And there's this whole group of people that really love this particular sport, you know, So and they play it a lot at this one winery. And so okay. there's so many things that I think you could fit it into it because um, some of these wineries have different things. You know, there's another one that offers horseback riding, you know, or, tr- you know, rides through the trail, through the vineyards and stuff. So I think it could uh, possibly fit into all those different things. And then I've been to some wineries that have, just have great shops, you know, of cool <laughs> stuff to buy. So I think there's probably enough to fit it all in there. So. I, I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. Um, well, Couple couple things as we wrap up here. One, where can people find more out about you and your writing? Um, you can go to Peggy Where Should I Go dot com, and that's my website. And um, I'm in the process of adding all the uh, the the stuff about uh, the book, so you'll see some okay. pages pop up there. Probably either the end of this week or early next week. Okay. And then um, I'm also on Instagram as Peggy Where Should I Go, and um, that that's I really love Instagram. It's kind of my happy place. I love being able to post fun pictures, and I never do anything political. It's always just happy stuff. So um, I love the name fun. Peggy. Where should I go? That's that's well. That's it's great. interesting how that. that came about because people know I'm a travel writer, and they also know. Well, I've just always loved to travel. So even before I was writing, uh, people would ask me, "Oh." you know, I want to go somewhere for a long weekend, you know, Peggy, where should, you know, where should I go? So it's like, that's what people are always asking me. So I was reading a lot about branding and it says, well, what do you offer? Not, not thinking about, you know, when you're doing a website, what, um, what you want to write about, but what is your audience and what do they want? And then I right. started thinking about it, like that was, that's what everybody asked me. So that's how that came that's, about. That's, that's great. All right. So my get out of jail free question. What didn't I ask you that I should have? Oh, let me see. Um, well, we talked about the best food. 
I don't know. I think you did. I think you did pretty good. I think you covered everything I wanted to talk about. So that's good. Actually, we're gonna we're gonna end this one on a negative note. <laughs> All right. I shouldn't do it this way, but we're gonna put you on the spot negatively. Tell me something about Tacoma that you don't like. Let's see. Um, well, I think like any um, any city, uh, Tacoma still struggles with a homeless um, problem. Okay. And I, I don't think it's as bad as Seattle or Portland, but it, that's kind of a tragic um, situation. But I also think we've got a lot of resources here that seem like it's really helped. You know, like I feel like people that are homeless, there's a place they can go get a meal. Um, I've done some volunteer work myself, you know, during, um, I don't do it regularly, but like in the cold, they'll open up additional shelters. So I've helped um, work with some friends doing meals and everything. And um, so I think the community is very conscious of it, but you know, it's something people should be aware of, but I don't really see it too much like in, in the, you know, in the museum districts, it tends to be a little further out, but. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I think that would probably be the, the one negative. So mine, the thing I dislike about Tacoma, I-5. Oh, the traffic. I, I, the I-5, that from 5 to 512. Oh, yeah. Around the Tacoma I, Dome, that like checkpoint. Well, they're Ugh. getting close to finishing the road. Like, that's one thing, um, living out here. I'm just amazed. Like, and maybe it's because of the way the weather is and everything. But I just, you actually see stuff getting done. Because I've lived, you know, like in, in Louisiana, I can remember going back to visit family. And the roads, they've been working on it, you know, for 10, 20 years. And it just doesn't, well, never it, seems it to get fixed. It feels <laughs> like they've been working on that for 10 or 20 years. Yeah, but, I, have, but you can actually see stuff getting done. So I think oh. that's close to to be in finish but but you don't have to get on i-5 though there's so many ways to get around i mean if you just like going through but you can get around without having to go on i-5 that that stretch probably from i'll say from fife to yeah probably probably the tacoma mall if if i'm fair once you get past the mall it's it's typically okay but that stretch where you're weaving in and out now and you don't know where you're going and or at least i don't because i don't go enough anymore that to me is the th- one thing I, I can say I don't like about Tacoma. Yeah. And now I'll get complaints about that, but that's okay. Because <laughs> traffic's terrible. Well, I think it's definitely not the Tacoma you grew up in. I can I can say that. <sighs> you know, when you were telling me in the pre-interview, you know, kind of your impression of it, I think it's a it's a totally different different feel from when you grew up here. Much, much, much has changed about Tacoma. Yes. Uh, some. And most, frankly, most of it for the better. Yes. Some things, not so much. But that's that's that you can say that about everywhere in the world. But Tacoma, you know, it's funny is that when I when I grew up, I couldn't wait to get away. I went to college, moved to Seattle, ended up back in Tacoma because uh, of my kids. We lived in the stadium district when they were going to school. They both they uh-huh. both went to stadium high school. And then I couldn't wait to get out of there again. I love the stadium district, but I just didn't like, I was working, you know, commuting. Is, uh, stadium district is with the water, point defiance, all of that's wonderful. Really I really is. do. It really is, yeah. But, yeah, overall, overall, Tacoma has, I think it gets a, you know, like, well, well, the, the grit city 
the whole grit city uh-huh. thing that they like to perpetrate. Yeah. I don't think that's helping. Well, I think for in, me- in the sense that it's not it's not as gritty as we want it to be anymore. It's, <laughs> it's becoming, you know, it's it's becoming more. Well, I think, too, you know, it's the Seattle Tacoma airport and the majority of the people that come, you know, out west to visit the the Pacific Northwest gravitate to Seattle versus mm-hmm. Tacoma. So I'm hoping this book with Reedy Press, because it's a national company, is going to kind of spotlight Tacoma a little bit as a, as a travel destination. Yeah. All right. Well, I hate to end on a negative note. Put you back on the spot. <laughs> Well, you know, I'm going to try to turn it around to something positive. No, no. Okay. Here's one for you. Here's one for you. Because we talked about lunch. We kind of talked, you you threw the best steak thing going in, which I got to tell you, that's a, that's a huge takeaway for me. Where's a great place for breakfast in Tacoma? Oh my gosh. So, um, well, I love the art house cafe in the stadium district. That's, that's a fabulous, you know, kind of. I think more fancy brunch. And then um, let's see. And so Lakewood is, you know, part of, uh, you know, just coming out of Tacoma. You have um, cars and there's all these just places that have been around for like a bunch of years. Cars is crazy. You plan to wait because it takes forever to get in there and get in early. But you'll bring home. I just can't believe how huge the servings are. Like a family of four could probably split the pancake meal. It's that big. I, I get a kick that they have the the paddles, the shocking paddles at every booth so that you, when you have the heart attack with breakfast, that you can just recess <laughs> it. Recess it. Well, I, I, ate, I ate there once not realizing what the portions would be. And I was like, I mean, it took like two people to carry the plate out. It was, it was crazy what they're serving. It was yeah. absolutely insane. One place that has a good reputation too. I haven't eaten there yet, but I've been dying to just because of the name is the Poodle Dog. <laughs> so it's uh, I'm trying to remember where that's at. It's it's, it's in, in Tacoma. Five. It's in yeah. Five. Five, yeah, it's, yeah, that, Five. That just was always intriguing to me. Um, uh, that yeah. was my mom and dad's favorite place they would go there either saturday every saturday or every you know on saturday or on sunday one and maybe sometimes both days um and i would oh, yeah. meet them there oftentimes for, for you know i'd grab coffee with them there oh, cool. yeah. and if you like a yeah. lighter breakfast pretty much every coffee shop has a nice selection of pastries and breakfast sandwiches oh, yeah. so that's always an option too yeah well thank you for taking the time to chat with me today i really appreciate <laughs> it welcome. and uh I'm looking forward to checking the book out when it, when it, when it's launched. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for having me. I really, uh, like I said, I really love talking about my adopted home. So. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Join us next time for another episode of the exploring Washington state podcast.